Welcome to the Enneagram Journey. Our podcast today centers around a discussion about stress and security. Joining me are my husband, Joe, and my daughter, Joey. And we're going to try to unpackage with you the reality that the difference in the Enneagram and other systems like it is that the Enneagram is not static. There's intuitive movement on the Enneagram that can become intentional movement. And one big piece of that wisdom has to do with moves that we make on the Enneagram when we are stressed or when we're feeling secure. I think today's show will be one of those that you'll want to listen to more than once because there will be so many examples related to several different numbers. If you think back to the podcast with Hunter Mobley, who's a two, Luke Norsworthy, who's a seven, Dana Effler, who's a six, you'll be aware that they talked about the moves they make in times of stress and when they're feeling secure. This is one of the best pieces of Enneagram wisdom that we can employ for improving our relationships. So, of course, today's show is really important to me. Welcome to the Enneagram Journey. I'm really excited about today's podcast because I get to talk about one of my favorite pieces of the Enneagram. And it's also a a piece of the Enneagram where I have a view that's different from some Enneagram master teachers. We're going to talk about stress and security today. One of the things that differentiates the Enneagram from all other systems that I'm aware of is that it's non-static. So there's a lot of intuitive movement on the Enneagram. I believe intuitive movement can become intentional movement if we have enough information and enough knowledge on board to make good choices toward being more loving, more compassionate, toward ourselves first, and then toward others. Briefly, every number on the Enneagram intuitively moves toward and takes on the behavior of another number when they're stressed, and then the same happens when they're feeling particularly secure. They move toward and take on the behavior of another number. For my number as a two, I move toward eight and take on eight behavior when I'm stressed, and I move toward and take on four behavior when I'm secure. I cannot take care of myself without the behavior that I get in eight, and I can't experience holistic healing without the behavior I get from having the opportunity to use some four behavior. The traditional Enneagram teaching is that when you're stressed, you go to the low number of the number that you move toward and that when you're secure, you go to the high number, high side of the number. I don't agree with that. I think you can choose the high side of both. And I think this system that offers us help in every way would not have a move that makes life more difficult for us. So using it properly means it becomes easier. So I want to give you a couple of examples so that you are kind of on board with the conversation, and then I have two of my favorite guests with me on the podcast today. When I take on eight behavior as a two, that's where I've learned to say no. That's where I've learned to be able to honestly answer the question, what is mine to do? That's where I've learned that I don't have to be available to everybody all the time. Eight behavior is where I've learned that I really know what I'm doing. And I don't need to be threatened by people or give my power away to other people. 
On the other hand, four behavior is where I learn to focus inward instead of just outward. Four behavior is where I learn to be more creative, where I draw from the creativity that's already in me. And that brings healing to me, and it brings a new dimension to my work. So we all are making these moves. I'm going to give you two examples today, and we're going to continue in future podcasts to include conversations that have to do with the move to stress and the move to security. And my guests today are my oldest daughter, Joey, and Giuseppe. Some of you know him as Joe Stabile. Welcome. Thank you for having us back. Thank you. I intend to keep having you back. Joey's doing some teaching now and has a lot to offer. Uh, her teaching is uh, good and sound, and she's well-informed, and she doesn't teach like I teach, which is such a great thing. I'm kind of proud of both of us for that. Like, I don't need you to, and you don't want to, and it's all working. And it's still changing lives because yeah. the Enneagram. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about uh, first Joe as a nine. Uh, in security, you go to three, and in stress, you go to six. Joey, in security, you go to two, and in stress, you go to five. Why don't y'all give a couple of examples? Uh, start with examples that are not too complex, and then we'll go a little deeper and a little deeper of uh, each of the moves. Uh, the easiest one for me to do is going to three in security. Uh, as probably most of your listeners know, if not all of them by now, uh, I am a minister and a pastor and have been for now 44 years in representative ministry in the church. So it is the place where I am so very comfortable. And so when I feel secure and safe, uh, I take on that energy of the three and the performer. And so you put robes on me and a stole and stand me in the, in the center of a sanctuary or in the Protestant church, what we would call the chancel. Uh, and I am the performer. I do it. I do it well. I know what I want. I know what will be successful. I know how to do it successfully and uh, come across as extraordinarily capable and good at what I do in that situation. That's just fascinating to hear him talk like that, mm -hmm. isn't it? Absolutely. We don't ever hear him talk that way. True. For a nine who doesn't feel like his presence matters and doesn't feel like he can assert himself, uh, in that place, I am willing to assert myself, and I feel like my presence there matters and makes a difference in the lives of other people when I'm doing what I feel most comfortable doing. Okay, I've got a question for you that we've never talked about, so this might throw you a little. Okay. You know, in our family and in the context of our family with our adult children and those they love and our seven grandchildren... You know that your presence matters, and you know that you belong there, and that you're strong and secure there. How does your threeness show itself in our family? The three that you go to in security. That's a good question. I relish being called daddy. I relish uh, being called granddaddy. I never expected to be in this position and so it feels um very good 
I would say I see more in those family situations, you, you blend into the background much less when you're at, where, when we're together uh-huh. as a family. That's true. Then, then when we're together with other people. If we're just at a social gathering, yeah, then you kind of... Oh. I still feel like in those situations that I don't really assert myself very much or you know, I'm more willing to merge into whatever anybody else is doing or wants. Yeah, the thing I observe uh, about your threeness is that you, uh, you tend to problem solve quietly for the 16 of us. Hmm. And here's how I see you doing it. One of our grandchildren you think is being a little bit left out right now. So during the most recent holiday season, you spent time with that grandchild away from everybody else. It was like, I'm, I'm going to go do this. That's not blending into the background. Yeah. And you orchestrated it and coordinated it. and Yeah. Oh, it's very okay. good. Uh, let's you are kind of like the Lord of the manor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a three position. You are like the head of the family when we're all together. That's you interesting because do. I don't feel that way. We yeah. all, I feel it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I bet everybody does. Yeah. Well, you know everybody does because of how they defer to him. Yeah, and I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on right, where I go in stress. Okay. Uh, Are you feeling a little stressed right now? Maybe. Too much attention. <laughs> too much attention. Yeah, a little too much. In stress, I moved to six. And it is a, it is a necessary move, I think, for a nine who feels like it's not okay to assert himself or his presence matters to move to that six energy and be part of a larger group because sixes are sort of hold the glue that's holding the world together um, because there's so many of them and they're loyal and they're going to be a part of the group and they're going to stay regardless of what happens in that circumstance or situation. It is also the part that involves other people, other questions, and other people's input and decisions. And as, as a nine, I tend to hear both sides, but decide what I, what I think is right or what I want, and not necessarily listen to the larger crowd as, as to what they think ought to be done. But you do that with six? I do that when I move to six energy. Is it before. is it true for you, too, that all of that, all shall be well, and it's all good, and all of that uh, positive, where you always think everything's going to work out just fine while I'm fretting and worrying about optimistic. things? Optimistic. Yeah, that word. You're so. Is it true that you're a little less optimistic in six, that you're kind of aware that there could be something wrong here? Exactly, exactly. And you you teach well that at nines we self-question and sixes self-doubt. And when I'm stressed, I don't ever, when I'm in my my nineness, I don't ever self-doubt. I do self-question whether I want to be involved in this or whether I want to go do that event or I want to participate in this activity. I self-question. But I very seldom self-doubt in my nineness. But when I'm stressed, then I start to doubt myself 
I doubt whether I've made the right decision. Mm-hmm. I doubt whether it's a, that's the direction I ought to take in, in decision making or some circumstance like that. Okay, how's that a good thing? That was my question. How, what does the high side of that look like? Well, the high side of that is that in, in the self-doubting, I take in information from other people. And I, I think then of what's best for the whole of the group. Yeah, I have never seen you worry until your recent surgery and having that post-op trouble with your leg. I've never seen you worry. No, I very seldom worry or I'm fearful or think the worst is going to happen. Yeah. Tricky. It's very tricky to live with that. And we both have to. Yes, we do. So what about you? So for me, I, I'm i very aware that you asked for smaller examples first. Yeah. And truthfully, I don't know that I would have a small example of an eight in stress. <laughs> I really wanted that answer, but I didn't want to come get it. Okay. I didn't think it was possible to have a I, I, I small really, example for an eight in stress. I don't believe it is. I don't believe we draw from five until we um, are, are absolutely at the high point of stress and, and, and prolonged stress. High point doesn't mean um, that, it, that it could happen in a day. I'm talking months probably. So... I think um, eights, as aggressive numbers who thrive really in stressful situations, um, they they kind of know what to do intuitively, and that's where their at our enneagram number kicks in. So I'd have to draw from I don't have little stress stories, but I definitely can um, point directly to a time in my life, probably the most stressful time in my life, and it was professionally, and. I struggled and fought as an eight for 12 months. Mm -hmm. And then about month 13, 14, 15, I started to go to five. And I think I started in the low side of five. Mm -hmm. And so the low side of five, I believe for an eight is you, what caused me stress was a perceived injustice and I think low side of five, I tried to fight that with logic and with reason and with everything, with doing for an eight. And when I backed off of it, I went inside myself, but it was very misanthropic. Oh. And I think that's the low side of five. It's nobody knows what I'm dealing with or what I'm going through. Nobody can help me. Mm-hmm. Moving to the high side of five in that situation, I was able to put all of the feelings and emotions that I was hurling into that perceived injustice aside and really look at it from another person's point of view mm. and not my own and see where I could have contributed to the situation. That's fascinating that it's a, it's a head thing. Definitely. Just, just all about thinking. So, one way we might help listeners is to suggest that they be very familiar with the triad that their stress and security numbers are in, and then capitalize on the dominant center of intelligence in that triad. So, 
for me, when I go to eight and stress, I need to do. Absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, when I go to four, or maybe fortunately, when I go to four in security, it's more feeling. And it's a different type of feeling. Well, you know what it is? It's feelings about me instead of feelings about other people. Mm-hmm. And so you then, on that central triangle of the Enneagram in terms of three, six, nine, you, you've got them all three covered. And you do too. Because, yeah, y'all have them all three all covered. All three covered. So you can capitalize on what's dominant in that center as a way to find some balance for your own behavior. Absolutely. So going to going to six in stress brings up thinking. It heightens my thought processes. Mm-hmm. And um, going to three in security just feels good. That's so interesting that, that performing feels so good for you. Yeah. And alternatively, alternatively for me, I didn't learn the lesson that the pain and that stress taught me until I went inside myself and inside my head and stopped my, I think for all eights, you know, our natural mode is obviously doing, but it's, we have no problem with conflict. So when we're in stress, we also have no problem taking on someone. And so truthfully, what I was doing as I was managing my own stress was just creating, mm-hmm. <laughs> meeting mm-hmm. people head on um, to confront the stressor and making it worse. And it wasn't until I shut my mouth, quite frankly, and stopped taking on others. And I went in so, so much that I was hard to get a hold of for a while in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's where I was able to stop and look at the situation. You know, it's interesting to me that the Enneagram is so accessible to everybody. Because in moments like this, I'm aware that it, it, it has so many layers. It, it has so many layers of understanding, which is why I love the podcast so much. Because I get to hear other people share those layers. And I, I only know my own, you know, my own layers of difference. All right, so talk about, please. Did I miss... I didn't talk about security. No. I was going to say, did I? I no. miss. I thought I missed security. You know, nice. Yeah, you could have missed it. Could have missed but as it. it. Turned but out, I, you I didn't. was paying attention. Yeah, I. Well, I would say, um, you know, again, that, just as eights, <laughs> they know their number. When they know their number, they they enjoy stress. And eights are very secure in themselves. And so for for me, I really really lived into. Um, to insecurity when I became a mom, a mom for sure, hands down. Um, having children who depend on me for nurturing, not just protecting, mm-hmm. that definitely brought out my my tunis. And 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 I have a great capacity for loving. And, and giving and nurturing. And I, I really love that space. I love being with my boys and, and being their mom and loving them and smothering them with, with love in all the ways that I know how. 
And I think that's, that I, I don't know that eights can get there um, easily without someone who they're okay with being vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would, it's not just in, in parenthood. Um, I don't think I could be the mom that I am to our boys without Billy. Who's a nine, by the way. Who's a nine. So he's a nine. And the way that he loves me and um, accepts me mm-hmm. um, just creates an environment in our home that where I feel completely safe and okay being vulnerable. So here's what I would say. I, I saw that side of you as a child and as an adolescent. Uh, and before you married as a young adult, in uh, you caring for the underdog, whoever it was, who, whoever that person was or those persons were, you always had a, a tenderness that I think doesn't get recognized in male or female eights, which is why I think they're the most misunderstood number, because the tenderness is expressed in doing something to make the situation better. Very true. And all of that doing dominance. That's a great point. Yeah, I think it was always there. I would say um, to that point, for my job and what I do, mm-hmm. I think I do my best work with families who have financial need. Right, right. Making the world a more equal just mm-hmm. place. Yeah. I was thinking I'd like to hear you talk about the stress and security that mm-hmm. you experience in. Well, I talked about it a little bit, but I, I I could talk about it in a deeper place maybe. So I, I co-authored my first book, and I've just recently turned in the second, which I wrote alone. And it's about relationships, which is kind of my thing. But I kept being aware when I was writing that I had a desire to say things better, which I think is for stuff that I, I think it's a Ford gift, not stuff, that I spent an awful lot of time alone, I, um, which in the beginning was very difficult for me, but it got better as I kind of moved on. In the security of knowing the Enneagram, that was my security. I wasn't particularly secure as a solo author, but I, I was very careful with my whole idea of, that I know the Enneagram and I know relationships, so I really know how to handle this. And that, I think, made the book better because I had some floor space because I can't remember sitting in my office writing or sitting on an airplane writing and thinking, I wonder if this is going to make anybody mad. I wonder if this is going to offend anybody. I wonder, you know, and that's too territory. I would say, I would add that you're in that space anytime you teach. It doesn't have to be alone. Oh, that's you, interesting. You are in that space. You're secure in, in knowing that what you're offering to people is life-changing, is authentic. Mm-hmm. And, and I see you in that space a lot um, when you're teaching in a group. Yeah. But you did think about it before you agreed to do the book because you were concerned... That there was no feedback. Oh, I did. So in, in writing so the book, it is that, book. Yes. that in in teaching you sort of have immediate feedback. Right. You know whether the, 
people are accepting what you're saying, you know, whether you got them on board and whether they're with you and you were afraid that in writing a book, there was no connection of with, with the individuals. That's true. That's true. I, I think most of my growth has come with my opportunity to learn to access the high side of eight when I'm stressed. I, I just don't know how I would make it without that. I, and I, I know that sounds dramatic, but I really mean that. And so that's where I ultimately came up with the language, you can't take care of yourself without the number that you go to in stress. And I cannot take care of myself without eight behavior. I, I just can't do it. So I'm real interested in uh, feedback from our listeners about how they take care of themselves with the number that they go to in stress and how they learn to take that to the high side. Because, you know, I, I have this great story about when we uh, lived rurally and we drove in 90 miles to go to the dentist and all four children had appointments one uh, day to come to the dentist. And I guess we had appointments too. It was like six appointments maybe. And we couldn't go. And I called and said to the uh, receptionist, it's Suzanne and I feel terrible, but we can't come and I have to cancel our appointments for today. And she said, I don't have time to talk to you right now. I'll call you back later. And she hung up on me. And I started crying, and I thought I'd done a terrible thing. And then later, you know, like, it, I don't know, two hours later, she called back and said, I'm so sorry, but it takes you 30 minutes to tell me that you need to cancel appointments, and I needed to find somebody to fill those appointments, and you would have taken all that time from me. And that that's just a tiny example of me in the high side of eight can say, we can't make it today. I know that's an inconvenience, and I'm so sorry. Very As well opposed said. to 30 minutes. So what about what about a low side, high side example for you, Joe? What what does that look like? What's low three? Low three. I, I think low three for me would be the desire to be recognized for something that I I achieved or something that I was capable of doing and not receiving the recognition for it. That's really insightful. And, and we uh, talked a little yeah. bit about high three, so what's low six for you? Low six would be total, complete indecision and doubting any ability to make the situation better. High six? High six is... is taking in the information that other people, taking in the questions that other people have, utilizing the questions to come up with the right answers. Okay, I wanna ask you a question. Do you think high six really helps you as a mediator? Oh, definitely would. That's what I think too. Definitely would help me as a mediator. You kind of have a reputation as just a really great mediator. Yeah, because in, in high six, you're willing to ask the questions of other people and of yourself to navigate your way to to a, a good answer or a good result. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Joey? High five. Mm-hmm. So I think again we're looking at the fact that it's not stressed very, very often. often, right? But I is it does it feel threatening when you are, 
Or does it no, come out so gradually? To be absolutely honest, I didn't recognize until after. I that's going to be tough, right? That's that is going to be a challenge. Is to choose to recognize that you're at a threshold of stress mm-hmm. and to choose not just to go to high side of five, but to go to five Got at it. all. I think that really. So you would just stay in the bottom of eight. You think? Yes, definitely. Yeah, and then the intuitive move might be the bottom of five. Right. Yeah. And I think when I finally did move to the bottom of five, and this will happen to eights regardless of gender, is you you don't have the energy for fighting anymore. You've done it for so you've fought uh-huh. for so long that you don't have that energy. Do you kind of give up? No, no. So when it's, you pull back, you're regrouping. Yes, it is definitely a regroup. It is not an I give up. It's it it is I'm exhausted. And my way hasn't worked for months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm so used to my way working. Something else is at play here. And shutting up mm-hmm. and, and withdrawing and going inside. So did you learn from that, that when you feel that way and something else is at play, that means you also have to look at you? Yes. Yeah. And I do it better now with Enneagram work, mm-hmm. with having having experienced and gone through an 18-month period like that. Mm -hmm. I know my trigger. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, it's a a feeling trigger. So I'm in the doing triad, Mm -hmm. and my high going to five is in the thinking, but it's a feeling sparked in me. And when it is a personal feeling where I can recognize now when I've um, hurt or offended someone that I didn't mean to. Mm -hmm. Now... Rather than fight against that, fueled by that energy of emotion, I can step aside and look at it from the other person's perspective mm-hmm. and see how, very objectively, how I can be perceived the way that I am. Mm-hmm. That's been very interesting to watch. Very, very interesting. Because to watch. it causes me to not go it really oddly enough for as much as I do it that's in relation to other people as well that action and I I force myself on people a lot in those situations mm-hmm. and pulling back and just stopping and thinking about it mm-hmm. I've I've handled my behavior going forward from that moment so much uh, better and healthier okay let me talk about something I observe in you uh, and in other eights. So you're not in it by yourself, but you're the only voice for eights right now. My way of talking about the difference in the high side of five and the low side of five is that on the low side, you take your marbles and go home. And on the high side, you pull back and regroup. Can you give better language to the that? Well, I would say take my marbles and go home. I... I think that's when eights hit the wall and female eights for sure have a good cry and go to bed. Okay. The problem is nothing was solved that way. Oh, God. So the person on the other side still felt the way they felt Mm -hmm. and there was no bridging that with Mm -hmm. me. And I think eights have a tendency to just move on and move past that. And if we can recognize our part in those situations Mm -hmm. and then actually approach that person or those people mm-hmm. with some vulnerability which seems it's it's more than counterintuitive i mean we just it makes us uncomfortable it's making me sweat just thinking about it right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. 
but people that is so disarming for everyone else mm-hmm. that you really can get to a, a good ending that way. So what about you, Giuseppe? Uh, in your 369 travel, because it's the central triangle, I think there's this illusion that there's more movement there than there is for other numbers. Is that true? I don't think there's more movement there. But I was just sitting here listening to y'all, and I was, I was thinking to myself, I think others are more shocked by the, the number that people go to in stress, shocked by the behavior or shocked by the responses of people when they go to a number in stress than we are when they go to the number in security. Mm-hmm. It seems in almost in most instances so counterintuitive counterintuitive of your of your own number mm-hmm. so different from your own number that that people are surprised it's uh, the opposite for the you though right well i think i'm people, far more shocked when you are performing and commanding and all of that than i am when you're a little fearful or a little concerned is that true is that true for you I don't, that might be for us. I'm thinking about Billy. I don't think other people see that as, as, oh, that it's because we know behavior. them. It's Got because it. we I was going to say, Got I it. think maybe it's because you know us so well. Yeah. That that would be, that that would be a shocking move or a surprising move. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I always feel like you're going to have the answer. Yeah. So I do. And so it is shocking when he doesn't. Yeah, it's very shocking. I think you're right, Daddy. Yeah. If you say I don't know what we should do, then I then I don't know what to do. Yeah. I was I was just thinking I I I am not so taken aback when you go to four mm-hmm. and you're using all that creative energy mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. I, because I have always seen you as pretty creative and and in any way. But uh, when you go to eight mm-hmm. in stress, it's it's like. Oh my gosh! You know that's so different than where you normally are. I love it. In, in well, I'll just tell you though. I, do you remember when I was very first learning the Enneagram, and uh, I had read that part about stress, and I was trying to understand me going to eight, and you were reticent to contribute much to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long, long time ago. We were barely married yeah. when that happened. But do you remember then a few few maybe weeks later? I, it's hard to know back that far, but I think a few weeks later, the children were in the hall whispering to one another about me, and saying, "Don't ask her for anything this morning. She's really not in a good mood. That's right. Be careful. Whatever we have for breakfast, just be happy." And you came and grabbed me and said, "They're talking about that very thing, because two to eight is so stressful." Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so stressful for everybody else. For everybody else, exactly. But I, I think that's true of almost any... We don't expect ones, when they go to seven, to act like that. Right. And, uh, you know, we don't. Ex- we surely don't expect eights to, to be in that five position because they're out there so much of the time. I mean, they're, yeah. they're so with all the energy. So we need to back up because one's one got four. four. I was talking about... In stress. Oh, yeah, in stress. Yeah. I'm sorry, yes. But we don't expect ones to go to four. They just sit no. around and they yeah. don't Absolutely do stuff not. and all that happens. Exactly. But but to your point, we sure don't expect fives to go to seven. Absolutely no. not. 
That's the craziest move. It's it it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. When they do that, yeah. right? Yeah. I guess because we're family, we uh, get lost in conversation pretty quickly with one another. Before we finish the podcast today, though, let's see if we have some advice to offer. So for each of you, in relation to the number you go to in stress and the number you go to in security, what piece of advice, if any, would you have? And I'll go first, and that'll give you a little time to think. So my advice in uh, twos moving to four is that you recognize that fours are focused inward most of the time and twos are focused outward most of the time. And if you're not careful about aiming for the high side of four, you can become self-indulgent. Even though it's a security move, you can become self-indulgent and kind of think that that the world's all about you and what you're doing and what you want to accomplish. One thing I would share in two moving to eight is even if you're not a journaler, if that's a word, even if you don't journal is a better way to say that, I would encourage you after times of knowing that you're stressed and knowing that you're using eight behavior, just jot down what you learned because then you'll be able to do those things to keep yourself from stress in the future. I've, I've really learned to do it with uh, saying no and how I say no and how few words I use to say no. And I even watched you, Joey, say no so that I could learn a way to say no that doesn't involve too much. So that would be my advice for the day. What about you guys? Well, I think for me, um, it, it as an eight, just learning to recognize tenderness in myself when it comes up and allowing that because it, it, it does end up being such a gift for people who are often so intimidated by us. And um, going, learning to, to draw from the high side of five, for me, I think it, it's showing itself the most in stopping to think before I react in conflict because I'm so comfortable with taking on someone that if I just stop and think about it first, think about my motivations and theirs, then I'm, what I'm really doing is keeping um, the situation from getting worse. Okay, great. Great. I I think for me in going to this place of security for a nine is inside of us, as nines, we all have things that we know that we are capable of handling and that we are fairly good at. And by, by moving to that secure place, we uh, are willing to step out of our inability to assert ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to assert ourselves in a genuine way and a healthy way in areas that we know that we're pretty capable of. And in terms of uh, stress, I really have to pick up on something that you, Suze, have been teaching us lately because of what's happening in our world today and uh, all of the uh, discord and all of the divisions that are taking place in our world today. I think if nines can um, access the high side of six, 
one of the things you're teaching is that at, right at the moment, the world needs sixes and nines. Nines because we see both sides of and can synthesize those things. And sixes because they're the, they're the ones that hold all the organizations together. They stay there. So I think if nines can access the high side of six, they'll ask the good questions um, that the loyal people are asking about what can hold us all together as a, as a people, as a nation, as a group um, that, that's going to make the world a better place for today. Mm-hmm. I so think that too. So um, I just want the three of us to acknowledge for all the listeners that we've worked a lot to learn this. And it didn't come easy for any of us. We have just done a lot of Enneagram work. And um, anybody can do it. We did it, and anybody can do it. And we're uh, maybe just offering a few breadcrumbs. And we're still learning. We're absolutely. Perpetual student. We are all still learning, and we're learning from one another. So my final piece of advice is get some Enneagram friends, meet once a week for coffee, and learn from one another, because that's kind of how we did it. I hope you'll join me in Edmond, Oklahoma on February 23rd and 24th for a Know Your Number conference. You can get more information at lifeinthetrinityministry.com about registration and about the event. It's a good opportunity for you to bring a friend to a Know Your Number workshop because it's changed your life and you want to offer it to them. And it's a great way for you to come listen for the number you go to in stress and the number you go to in security. Hope I see you there. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.